Hi, I'm Brian Fenley, commentator with Tennis Channel and an anchor for Fox Sports Radio. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is Dingo Talk. My guest this week is Brian Fenley, um, anchor for te- the Tennis Network. Anchor at Fox Sports Radio and play-by-play guy at IMG, correct? Yeah, and I'll do some some hosting for them and for, on, for UCLA's radio network, so on their radio shows. Well, welcome. Welcome to Dingo Talk. Uh, we What we do is uh, you are the storyteller. I'm going to ask you some questions going all the way back to 2007. We're going to work away from 2007 to present day. Um, so my first question is, how did you end up at the University of North Carolina, Greensboro? You know, that's funny that you asked because people are thinking to yourself, why would a guy from San Diego go to University of North Carolina at Greensboro of all the schools? And the only reason that I went there is because I was searching for like a father figure and my uncle lived in Greensboro. And so I wanted a place where I didn't know anybody I wanted a fresh start from high school, didn't really have, you know, the best of, of high school experiences. And I just thought to myself, let's rebound by getting a new start. Let's go to a place we've never been before or have lived, have a support there in a support system in my uncle and aunt. I got in and that's how we got there. So from California, were you always looking to be a communications major and does the being from California influence you also getting that dual major with the Spanish on top of it? <laughs> you know, you're spot on there. Definitely having roots in Southern California incentivized me because of how many Spanish speaking talkers there are to, to do that as well. But I actually went in to college thinking I was going to be a psych major. And I was thinking, I, I want to be like a therapist or maybe a psychologist. And then I realized that, you know, there's a lot of extra schooling that's going to go into that. And I'm not sure how big of a fan I am of the extra schooling after the four years of the bachelor's degree. So then I decided to to look otherwise. (laughs) And College Radio Station, that is where it all got started. Never discount the power of college radio. What was your first college radio show? So I did one where it was on Saturday nights and we would host an EDM show. So we would play trans electronic music four to 7 PM on Saturdays. And we thought that we were sort of like the pregame to people's pregames, you know, they're going out <laughs> at the party, have a good time who listened and how many people did. I think we maybe over counted and we thought that everybody was listening to us. But it was fun because we would really try to change it up. And we thought we were funnier than probably we were by throwing in some zingers and jokes and, and stuff like that. But that's what it started. You know, is something that getting nothing paid and or not, not getting paid for anything. Well, and, and speaking of that, your your internships that you did both at Fox Five and Fox Eight, I'm guessing unpaid internships. We all, as 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 a fellow communications major, we all had to pick wh- where we were going to go do our internships. Um, why did you go with Fox Five and then from Fox Five to Fox Eight? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Well, so when I grew up in San Diego and it was during the summer, during one of my college years, I'm like, how can I stay productive and do something that's worthwhile? And that's why, you know, with Fox 5 being in San Diego. And so I started working for them on their news area. And mm -hmm. then they brought me on to do some funny little skits with them on their morning show. Like I thought I was just some intern. And then they started putting me on their morning show and doing like on air segments. And so that was kind of fun. And then again, as you know, it's being in those in those environments that's everything. You can read a book, you can study all you want in a classroom about the business of sports and media and newsrooms, but until you're in there, until you understand what that's like and how it all goes down, that's the best education. So I thought to myself, not just do one internship, but do another one at Fox 8 in North Carolina, which was where my college was. And not only that, but it's the connections that you make, the people that you work with and get to see it's priceless. It's invaluable. Now, so you you did a little news. You did a little sports. What was? Were you more attracted to the news side? Were you more attracted to the sports side? What was? What ended up leading you to sports? I guess. Yeah, I think that you kind of, from a news standpoint, I did it because I don't know if there was another opportunity. It might have been Phil, the the sports intern. But the thing about it is, is there's a lot of parallels. Like if you want to do sports, you've got to be a good writer and you've got to know how to write in the way in which tv is written which is much different than let's say if you and i are writing a paper for class right because absolutely the whole, the whole idea is you're supposed to talk or supposed to write the way you talk in broadcast news so even though i was doing news i could still be like they'll they'll give me a a 30 second vo or something or a piece of a story and then they're like okay let's now translate that into something that would be written for television. And so you're still working those same muscles mm -hmm. in your brain to, to figure out how you're supposed to change what would be written like a print story into a new story. And that whole idea, I was a horrible writer, you know, and understanding what's important. You know, you want to hit the big parts first in the first couple lines. It kind of, it's like the up, upside down pyramid in, in news writing. So, yeah. Um, now at Greensboro, what were some of the things, because I obviously being a dual major, I'm sure took up a lot of your time. What were some of the other things that that you did as a college student? I mean, everybody had their college experience. What was your college experience like? Yeah, so while I was in school, the last year and a half, I was going to school four days a week and then I was working at, and so this is from the internships past that now, where I'm actually working in a TV station. So mm -hmm. it was I was going to school Monday through Thursday, and I was working at WXII, which is the NBC affiliate in North Carolina. And I was working as a sports producer, which meant, as you know, I was doing everything but being on the air. And so I was working there Friday through Sunday. I was filming high school football on Fridays, you know, whatever they needed to be shot. I was writing pieces for the anchors to read during the weekend shows. So, and I was editing all the highlights of whatever matter, whether it was Wake Forest football or University of North Carolina basketball or people of their NASCAR down there, no matter, you know, what part of North Carolina. So that just understanding then what that viewer in that market likes, they like NASCAR, they like tobacco road sports and some football, and then just kind of ingratiating myself into that and doing everything but being on the air. Now, is that um, is that one of the things that as a producer, you have to not only be aware 
of what your audience wants to see, but maybe certain sports get left off of that, right? You don't co- go and cover a sport that, nah, we're not really that concerned about it in this specific area. That falls on you as the producer to know which ones we're going to go film, which ones we're not, right? Oh, absolutely. And when I had my sort of writing test to get that job at WXII, they gave me four different stories. And one of the the exercise was, okay, rate what's most important, which in a sense would be in a newscast because here I am stacking the show. And as you know, breaking news can happen on the news side, or there could be a weather situation, Mm -hmm. which gobbles up sports time. So now your time is truncated. And now you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, I only had two minutes and 30 seconds. And now I only have a minute and a half. So what am I going to do here? And so that is what it's about and finding what matters. And there's this whole idea of like, okay, you're in Winston Salem, Mm -hmm. which is right in the backyard of Wake Forest. So usually that has to be number one, but then what's local in our market, what is important is local events plus statewide events. So even though we're not in the market of Chapel Hill and Durham with Duke and North Carolina, everybody cares in that region about it. Mm-hmm. So it's it really is is a test in what you think matters from what's local in our market to what's a bigger sport, but what is statewide? And does that surpass Wake Forest basketball? Most likely, if North Carolina basketball is ranked and Wake Forest wasn't, then you would probably, you know, it's so, but again, it's very subjective, but it's important to know what goes into that. So, and that, that is a job that you are working as a senior. And then that is your first job out of college is the sports producer and columnist at WXII 12. Yes. So, and I was there for a year and a half. I graduated college and I was there for another half year. And so what I did was since I was already around all the equipment and I was working with everybody, I started to put together a little reel of my own on-air stuff. When, like, I'm already writing everything. I'm already editing all the tapes. So just throw on a jacket after the, the real news show ends. And then I would tape my own. And so I just started doing that. And that was where I was like, okay, now let's continue to do this. And then the repetition came in. And then I started sending that stuff out and seeing seeing if anybody thought it was worthy. <laughs> well, now... I, I gotta. I'm gonna double back to a question as a as a producer and some and somebody that put together tapes. Yeah. Uh, for those for those people that are coming out of college here either this year or maybe they'll come out next year, but they're starting to put their tapes out and put them together. What is the most important part of your tape, and how long should someone be? How long should they be sending it? Because I mean, I, I I've heard the the rumor of. You know, if you don't get them in the first 15 seconds, it's it's already been you've already been hit next and moved on. So what is the truth to that? Well, and that's something that I think that even me, I, I have an idea of, but I think that it's a moving target. And I'm trying to dig into what the essence of what that is. But from my experiences and asking people about what they think, those who are in hiring positions, it depends upon what you're trying to be. Now, if you're trying to be somebody who's a play-by-play person and you want to work for a certain network, then you might 
need a bigger source of video. Mm -hmm. So if you're like baseball, I want to see you. I want to see maybe a highlight, but I want to see a full inning. And, you know, baseball, that can be on time. So, you know, that might be longer than 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. But I want to see how you get into or out of a break and then into a break. So sort of like, can you carry that segment flawlessly or smoothly, which is not going to be if you do, if you're a reporter or in a TV news, you're not going to need that much time. I would say five minutes max. And the whole idea is people, as you said, can make a sound judgment on your on-air presentation within 15 seconds. So make it, this is where the writing means everything. This is where, and can you be engaging? Because there's a lot of ways in which you can be creative that need to come out right away on your tape. Now, creative is not the same thing as being corny. Mm -hmm. So, and I've, I've been corny and like, but that's through experience that you learn. So what you are going to do to catch the person is be insightful, be energetic, have some good energy and not to be too fake, but you, the energy needs to carry itself on, on the screen a little bit. Creative writing, comfort. Mm -hmm. How comfortable are you in front of the camera? That is huge. When you look at news directors, they want to see, you know, how you are in a variety of different settings, which is why you should show your versatility. Here I am on the desk. Here I am interviewing somebody. Here I am with a live shot. Show it all because the more you can do and you're comfortable, the more that person hiring is going to want to go with you. So that being said, your next job from being a producer, you flipped, right? and went into the sports reporting side and weekend anchor at KREM2? Yeah, KREM2. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so they took a chance on me. I had no on-air experience before. I was raw. I was green. You know, mm -hmm. I, I look at some of that stuff, man, and I think to myself, why the heck would they hire me? <laughs> you know, and, it, you know, the news director was like, He's like, we knew you didn't have experience, but we liked your voice. So again, it's it goes back to the subjectivity of everything. Mm -hmm. The news director who's in charge of hiring has different checklists as to what that person wants out of whatever potential hiree. Okay. And this person, he was able to sacrifice a lack of on experience for something. So anyway, yeah, I was there for two years. Great experience. The key here was that I really got an opportunity to work as the weekend anchor and do sports, just sports there. But I get to travel all over the state of Washington and cover Gonzaga basketball, Washington State football. But I got to tell you, the most memorable moment of my time in Spokane, and this is something that I don't think anybody else in any other market that I know of has been able to, to do. And maybe I'm wrong. Hmm. But when we would shoot video for Friday Night Football, right? So we would go all across the state. Like the market is big, even though it's not. It's the market size in area. Square mileage is big. It's not the biggest as far as population, of course. Yeah. But so we would travel up to near the, the Canadian border to shoot eight-man football. 
And wait, 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 wait. They have eight man football. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, 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 and listen to this. So I would shoot eight man football up the Canadian border, which is about two hours from Spokane North, straight North. But you don't just drive there. You have to get on a ferry. And a lot of these were on Native American reservations. So you would get on the ferry, cross the body of water with your car to then get onto the reservation to film eight-man football. Huh. It was incredible. I mean, the the scenery and the majesty of the nature and where they were, where they were was beautiful. I thought, how often are you taking a ferry to get to an eight-man football game and you have to be in your car? I, it was just, it was just fascinating to me. I can't say that I've ever I've gone to a lot of high school football in my in my life. I don't think I've ever gone on a ferry <laughs> yeah. to a high school football game. <laughs> um yeah. so not only that experience, but being in, in in Washington, what other um what other sports, a little unusual sports, right? Because there's gotta be a lot of like outdoor mountain, those type of sports also, correct? Yes, there definitely is. I wouldn't do pieces. And now that I look back, maybe that would have been a fun thing to do. There's a lot of skiing in the area. Mm-hmm. So, and obviously the, the snow is a big issue and it gets very cold. So, you know, I remember my first year there. So in the market is Washington State football, which is Pullman. Now, yeah. if you go from Spokane to Pullman and you drive, it's a little bit over an hour. And it's a one lane highway on both sides. And it's fascinating because you go from Spokane to Pullman and you're driving and it's like you're in the middle of nowhere. There are these big wheat fields and corn fields and big farming land. And there's not a whole lot of civilization anywhere. And then you get to Pullman and Pullman is just a college town. But it's like a big five pack 12 school yeah. out in the middle of nowhere that is eight miles away from the Idaho border. So it's so interesting, you know, how many times I can't even count where I would be driving on this one lane highway where it's frozen under 32 degrees. I'm hoping that the wheels are good on this company car and we're driving and and cars are speeding past at 60, 65 miles an hour the other way. And we're going to these colleges like Washington State and Idaho, which is eight miles away from Washington State. And one game it was UCLA taking on Washington state in 2012. And I was out there on the field shooting highlights with one of those cameras. And it was, it was 23 degrees outside. And so, you know, it was bundle up season to say the least. It was a little cold, little cold down there on the football field. Uh, Well, staying with your trend. uh, So you, you, you graduate from high school, you come to the East coast. You, you stay on the East Coast for a little bit, then you bounce back over to the West Coast. Then from Washington, you end up making your way back to the East Coast, a little less than the coast, but to Memphis um, at Local 24, the ABC affiliate. Now, how did that come about? Well, so my contract was coming to an end in Spokane and I needed to make a change. I wanted to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking and what could be out there. And I loved Memphis from the standpoint that my sister went to Ole Miss, which is less than an hour drive from 
Memphis and the northern part of Mississippi and Oxford. So I'm familiar with that area. I knew some people in the area, some friends. And so I basically just resorted to taking all my energy to wanting to get that job. Like, I just like, I, you know, there are people, anybody who went to Ole Miss that was in media, I was like, can you put in a good word for me? You know, just whatever. I really wanted this job. And so I was a finalist. They brought me out there and there was a weather issue with the plane. So I didn't even do an audition, which to be honest with you, even at that age, when I was only two years in, that might have actually been a blessing in disguise because like they didn't have any extra tape to look at me on, but I was like a finalist. And so, so they, they brought me on and that was 2014. And then here we go. We're driving from Spokane to Memphis and we took the long way. So yeah. we, we went up and we, we went through spoke, we went through South Dakota and we saw all the, the major national landmarks and, and all the presidents on, on the rocks and all that stuff. And then we kind of went down to the south and drove through Missouri and, and all of that. But we made it a sightseeing tour. And it was my dog, myself, and my mom. And we had as much as we could packed into that car of mine. And we basically then were like, okay, we'll get a couple pieces of furniture when we get down there. But I mean, if you saw my car, there was yeah. not room for anything else driving. Just jam-packed from yeah. one window to window. And then yes. dog, mom, and you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We've all driven on the freeway and seen somebody do that and be like, what are they doing? Only to know that some of us have done it as well. I, I am right there with you. I have done that a couple of times for a couple of different friends helping them move. So sure. Um, so while you're you're there for and you're you're in Memphis, you make Memphis home for about three years. Sure. As a sportscaster or as a sports reporter, sportscaster had that there. Um, what was what was your? Because if I'm right, those years you would have been covering. Would you have been covering the Predators as they had they had their run? A little bit that now we would touch on Nashville sports a tad. Okay. But our focus, because Nashville was, is about three, three and a half hour drive due East from Memphis. Okay. okay. So what we would mostly touch on Memphis Grizzlies, yeah. University of Memphis, okay. we would. And then the really interesting thing about the Memphis market is that you've got University of Memphis but the SEC is big time prevalent in the area. You got a ton of Arkansas Razorback fans because part of our market would seep into Arkansas across the river, the Mississippi River, and into West Memphis and, and a little bit more extended beyond that. So we had to be very cognizant of Arkansas sports and the Razorbacks, which, you know, at the time, Brett Bielema was the coach. Football was, was pretty good mm -hmm. in our market as well inside North Carolina or inside Mississippi was Oxford, the home of Ole Miss. So, and then because we're, we're in our market goes into not just Memphis, but it goes inside of Mississippi. Then you got to go to Mississippi state yep. And then because we're in Tennessee. There's a lot of Tennessee fans, even though Knoxville is six hours away on the other side of the state. So you, you're, you're focusing on those four Ole Miss, Mississippi state, Tennessee, and Arkansas plus high caliber high school stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you right now, there are many multiple kids who I covered in high school, football and basketball that are now playing in the NFL slash NBA. 
I'm telling you, if anything, there was much more prestigious events in college and this stuff. But one of the most exciting and most rewarding moments for me while being in Memphis was watching these kids. And I knew a lot of them were going to go to the NFL. Exhibit A is Tony Pollard with the Dallas Cowboys. I was at his high school signing day. And like to see him, you know, flourish it's just it's so cool when you see the kids that they're so young and now you're like whoa look at them now so is there any anybody else that you want to that, that jumps out at you immediately of players that you oh, watch that oh there, there are tons uh of guys so the yeah so there's a the few there's another guy well there is another dallas cowboy he, uh, former Kentucky Wildcat. I've got another guy who, and I went to his. So Memphis, the football is so good. It's a hotbed for, mm -hmm. for talent. And uh, Kenneth Walker, the third or is the second, the running back for the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. I, yeah. I covered him. You know, he's a rookie this year, and I think he's had some injury issues. So, so, so Kenneth is another one. He went to Arlington High School. I went to a lot of his practices. There are, there are others. There are a ton right now that are in their senior years at the University of Tennessee and as good as they're playing right now in college football. They're, they're going to get drafted. Uh, but the, there's, yeah, I mean, I I could go on. There's so many. It's just I kind of get lost. It's been a few. <laughs> just to just to tell you that there are Quentin Bohanna is the name I was trying to dig up for you from. He was a D line man at University of Kentucky. He was a late round draft pick, but the guy is now on the Cowboys. So it's cool. You got two guys from Memphis mm -hmm. who you knew in high school, and you follow them. They follow you on Twitter, and like now they're out on the big time. Well, and, and again, staying with our the the trend of your career and your your since two thousand and seven, what what has been your life? Uh, Twenty seventeen comes around, and you decide to make your way back out to the West Coast. You were pregame and postgame host for the Padres through this past season. So, I did a couple games. Okay, it was kind of a tryout. And one of the things we learned about this business is that there are a lot of lows and there's a lot of uncertainty. So I wasn't, you know, while I got to do a few games mm -hmm. that that's in the past. And I realized, and as you go through this experience in this run, you realize more so what you like and what you don't like and what you want to focus on and maybe what you're better at. And then you focus on that. And so you, you, you kind of are able to sort of, sharpen your focus on what you really want to work on. So I had thoughts about doing the baseball. I'd never thought it would be possible. And, you know, I, maybe my performance wasn't up to speed. You know, I'll be, you know, honest about that. And baseball really isn't, you know, if you ask me right now what I like to watch, I'll watch playoff baseball, but it's like number eight on the sports watching habits for me. And, and that's okay. And I just think that with time and experience, I realized that, but when I got back to, to California in 2017, I had absolutely nothing. I had absolutely nothing lined up. I had been rejected, rejected, rejected. I had nothing. Mm -hmm. And I was on the verge of giving up. I was on the verge of saying, you know what? This is it. This is not going to work for me. And whatever you believe in, I got this email from somebody at UCLA, and I'd reached out a little while ago that there was an opening for 
a host, which is what we were talking about earlier, the IMG slash now it's Learfield, you know, they, that's the new name of the company yeah. where you be hosting their UCLA's basketball and football show on the radio weekly. So you'd have on players, you'd even have on a coach to talk about the year. And so right when I was on the moment of giving up, I mean, I was moments away is when I get this, this out of the blue email to say, Hey, we're interested in you. And then that led to, to getting in, to LA. But you know, what I want people to, to see, and you know, this and people in the business is like, while, you know, you're able to do good things, what people don't realize is what goes underneath behind the scenes, and how there can be a lot of angst, there can be a lot of tears, there can be a lot of rejection. And there can be a lot of thoughts of giving up. And even while people have resumes that you're like, Oh, that's cool. There are a lot of things that happen behind the scenes that people don't realize where people are on the verge of giving up and are about to break down. And so bringing an awareness to that, that it's not all like fairy tales and butterflies. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you bring that up as the this will be probably the last topic that we cover. I've I've in the last couple of shows, I've had um some former division one and division two athletes on who suffered either injuries or um just some life problems and the mental health side that goes into that when it's interesting we don't really talk about the mental health of a a news anchor a broadcaster uh, how they got to their job and maybe it's mental health as a whole that we don't talk about wink wink because i don't think we do talk about mental health enough um but how when you were at that point of of giving up what what was the reasoning of like checking the email or saying once you got that email, okay, okay, I'm back in the game. Cause I mean, I could see yeah. where somebody got so, you know, you get to a certain point, and you're like, oh man, I don't know if I can even, I don't even know if I want to do it anymore. Yeah. And to be honest with you, that's the not the only time I thought about giving up as well. There were other times as well where I was like, you know what? Maybe I should just get a job, you know, you know, started, you know, work at a restaurant or, or whatever. I was on that realm of thinking, you know, this isn't for me and I needed to to get some sort of some money and, and to, to pay a bill or two. But, you know, I have been open about this. So one one of the things that you in asking this question, it's a very interesting and complex answer because. There was always, even though I was down, there was always a piece of me that said, never give up. And that might have been my father who said that to me, who growing up, I had him until he, he passed when I was a kid. And but he instilled this 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 perseverance within me that no matter what, even if things aren't going your way just believe, at least give yourself a chance to believe one or 2%, no matter what. And when I got to those moments, I hung on to that. As hard as it is during those times to have that belief, there was still a part of me that hung on to what my dad said. And my dad went through some really bad cancer in a battle. And so when you talk about being low, what I had to deal with compared to watching what my dad suffered through in her, his horrendous disease was nothing. So if he 
could survive longer than the doctors said for four extra years. And he made it a five-year battle before he passed when he was told that he was going to die in a year. What I can learn from him is that you just keep fighting. Yeah. No matter what. And so that's what kept me going is just that fight that, that my dad told me. I mean, I, I saw things that I, I wish nobody in the world had to see in, 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 in the pain and the anguish and the trauma in our house on a regular day, in a regular normal day. But what I can take from him and in this business, as you know, perseverance is everything. And just because you get a no today doesn't mean you're not going to get a no tomorrow. You could get like, for example, like I know we're kind of coming to an end, as you mentioned, but like the tennis channel stuff that I just started, that took me five years to get in that building. Yeah. And just to, to keep working on it and to never give up, like, because you just keep working on yourself and then see what happens. So, yeah. No, and I, I guess I, I didn't. I did want to touch on that. So, are are you a a, a long time long time fan of tennis? Is that what? Drew oh yeah, you to... yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I have such an affinity for calling tennis and broadcasting it, which when we think about sports that we rush to want to call, even when we were kids, tennis is not there in the United States. But I love the way it's a, it's such a mental challenge because more so. And I'm a little bit biased, but it's the only sport that I know of. And maybe you know of another sport and I'm wrong, but where the viewer doesn't want you to talk when the actual action is happening. Cricket, maybe. So, I don't know. That would be the yeah. only, only one I can think of is cricket or golf. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, the thing is, is even when you're watching golf on TV, the analyst is talking through the golf swing. Mm -hmm. But in, in tennis, the viewers, they are very set in their ways and they don't want you to say anything. So you've got the time that the point ends to the start of the next serve for the next point. And you've got this finite time and the challenge of squeezing in the information that you think is most valuable in this short time. I love that as a challenge. And I think that in order to, to breed a, a long career, you have to love challenges. And just in general, and to be able to want to take those on and embrace them. And, you know, I think the perfect way to end this, and, and I, I hope I don't butcher this, but I believe somebody once described you as absolutely versatile. <laughs> that's the line that i and 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 from our from our talk here from 2007 here to 2022, I would say that your versatility has gone. Yeah as as vast as one can be well i appreciate that as another person told me versatility is the key to having employment in that as i talk to you right now like i'm learning about the sport of pickleball because that's another sport that's growing and it's like they're going to start doing a bunch of stuff and tennis channel has a lot of stuff that they're doing with pickleball so it's like don't be a, a, opposed to doing something different or against what, you know, going against the grain, you know, to take a football term and to try something new and dabble in sports. Because first of all, you might like it. Second of all, there might not be as many people trying to get the front in the front door of those sports. Mm -hmm. And so you might get that opportunity quicker. Well, hey, pickleball is pickleball is a good time. Anybody that doesn't know, go <laughs> play pickle. Go find a pickle. You don't even need much. You need a racket, a wiffle ball, and a tennis court. That's it. Yep. Go play. It's fun. 
Um, Brian, thank you very much for taking time uh, to join us here on Dingo Talk. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook now. We have a Facebook page. The only place that you have to look differently is Instagram. It's dingo underscore talk. If you type in just dingo talk, you're going to find uh, not me or Brian or any of my other previous guests. You're going to find a bunch of wild dogs from Australia. Great channel. The guy's he's great. He puts up new pictures every day. It's not me. I do follow him because, you know, we have the same name. But yeah, um, you can also <laughs> find us on anchor spotify apple iHeartRadio, youtube and we are still doing the fundraiser through gofundme uh to improve get merchandise we're trying to improve the studio here so if you find if you find it in your heart you want to send a you want to send a donation that link will be provided um brian thank you very much for taking time to sit down with us i am so thankful that you thought of me and i'm glad we made this happen man and it's so great to connect with you I absolutely am glad that we finally, we, we've been talking back and forth. You were one of the first people <laughs> yeah. that said yes. And we're like, Hey, just give me like a couple months and hit me back. And yeah. Um, so we got it scheduled. I am Carlo Guadagnino, Brian Finelli, uh, Fox, Fox sports radio, tennis channel, and IMG with UCLA pregame and postgame. Um, we're here every Thursday at 10 a.m. Chuckleheads and we'll catch you next week. You wanna know by now? You wanna know by now.